This episode is brought to you by Not Alone Co. It has been such a pleasure for us at Not Alone Co. to create our little Not Alone community. We want to be able to utilize the messaging on our apparel in order to help facilitate tough and meaningful conversations with your loved ones. Community, conversation, and vulnerability. This is a journey and mental health isn't a battle to be won. We at Not Alone Co. are here to remind you that you are never alone and it's okay to not be okay. Use code NAC10 at checkout for 10% off your order, which helps us donate portions of the proceeds to various mental health charities and foundations. That's code NAC10 at checkout. We love you, and you're not alone. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so um, just drove past the zoo, and uh, Riley was saying that he had some fun at the zoo the other day, and it got me thinking. You go to the zoo. What what animals are you, first off, most entertained by? But also, like, what do you, like, what animals are you most looking forward to seeing? Like, I mean, you're at the San Diego Zoo, which is one of the most legit zoos in the entire world. So you're seeing everything from A to Z. So, like, what what took you back? And, like, what made you, like, oh, my God. You know, like, sometimes the zoo is a, just a good experience. So go ahead. <laughs> Uh, oh man the classic answers of like tiger and <laughs> like gorilla like those are gorilla was awesome it was quick but it just depends on how like awake and lively the animal is too right like a sleeping tiger compared to like some orangutans like picking stuff out of each other's teeth and grooming each other you know, I'd rather watch the orangutans do that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, we did, we got to see some orangutans doing that. We got to see a little baby, che- is either cheetah or leopard, but that was really cool with his mom. We're on the sing train over here. I've brought this up a ton of mm-hmm. times. Slater's obsessed with sing. So, seeing the koala bear was awesome. And the koala bear was moving because apparently they sleep like, 20 hours of the day or something and this guy was jumping around on the trees which was which was cool but i would say the uh gorillas elephant those two are probably at the top of my list what about you there is a hippopotamus at the calgary zoo that just makes you wonder how something can be that big and still move with force and i think the hippos for me are just like uh my goodness gracious like you were a ton they're dudley too i think right they're pretty frightening mean. Dude. Yeah. dude i saw a video the other day of a hippo like chasing after a boat like on the bayou or wherever like, yeah. like actually now i have another question would you go on a safari 100 percent. that's my that's my <laughs> that was quick. i don't i don't have a big bucket list but uh a real safari is uh hands down the top there's this organization called Vet Paw that I just stumbled on, and it's a bunch of ex-military guys that go and protect the wildlife, and I think it's in South Africa. And they actually let you like be part of the process of moving animals and like in a safe way, but like you're right there, hands-on. And I thought that would be like that would be hands down a dream. So I might look into that, but yeah, I would. <laughs> I would love to do that, man. That's, it's, that stuff's so cool to me. I, I love animals and especially in the wild. So 
all of a sudden you're going to, I'm just going <laughs> to hop on a zoom with you one day and you're going to be in Africa. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be Ace Ventura and pet detective or one nature calls or whatever. <laughs> uh, and then other than that, I mean, I, uh, like, you know, off season, like how's, like how's Slater man, like, like what's been going on. You've been kind of bouncing around a little bit. Yeah. Slater's awesome. Growing like a weed, getting more and more interactive. He's really silly and he's really funny. We're having a blast with him. Nice to get some time to actually like engage and focus on our relationship with no hockey to worry about. And yeah, we're, we're good, man. Just settled in Chicago, done traveling for a bit. And um, that's about it. So what about you? Well, it's finally public. Um, Katrina and I, my lovely partner and I, um, decided to embark on a little adventure, the Amazing Race Canada. So uh, that's been pretty exciting. It's been uh, something that, you know, we can really look forward to throughout the summer. Summers are already busy, but to tack on, you know, Tuesday nights, we can watch ourselves on the Amazing Race Canada will be uh, super neat. And I think uh, it's been, you know, really uplifting and, and really amazing to already feel how much love and support you know and how people how excited people are to watch us and i think that's something that you know always makes you uh yeah always makes you take some time to appreciate the people you have in your life and um yeah, we're excited something that uh we never really thought we would do i guess and um yeah, I'll have to watch and see how the results go. But uh, let me tell you, it was a litmus test for your relationship. <laughs> what happens? What happens if like another program sees your skill on TV and they want you like Jersey Shore or like Ooh. real the Real World Challenge, like one of those? What happens? Are you saying yes or no? What's the equivalent of a house like a the the like if there was like a Real House? Yeah, Real Housewives. Yeah, Real um, Housewives Canada. Uh, of Calgary, then uh, yeah, I'd probably hop on. Um, what I'm hoping for is uh, that I'll be the next Nick Lachey. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to. Surprised you even know who that is. Well, Kat's got me on. Uh, what do Nick and Vanessa host? I don't know. Anyways, um, I uh, I would love to. You know, now that I've embraced this podcast co-host thing, I'm a. I would love to host. You know, not host at could, a restaurant. I could, I could see that you'd be good at that. So uh, we will see what shakes out, but uh guess we'll have to watch and see. Um, other than that, welcome back to the Speak Your Mind podcast powered by Torch Pro. And today we had a gentleman who has uh, probably the epitome of success, two Stanley Cups, uh, one of the best world junior teams of all time, but also just an incredibly humble, incredibly passionate individual that... Uh, Riles brought on for us the uh, the man, the myth, uh, the Okanagan legend, Andrew Ladd. So uh, today we had the absolute uh, pleasure of bringing on Andrew and, and talking about his 1616 foundation, you know, his roller coaster of a career and and all that he's learned. And I know that uh, I'm fully on the 1616, the train. I'm fully on, like choo-choo. So uh, what'd you think there, Riles? No, it was great. I mean, obviously you said it. He had an unbelievable NHL career and a thousand games. Like that's in itself just an unbelievable achievement. And then you mix in the Stanley Cups, World Junior, some world championships in there. And yeah, it was, it was amazing. And, and just how his career went too. A lot, like so much adversity, especially towards the tail end for him 
to stick with it. It's it's really admirable, 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 admirable. <laughs> One of the two. Um, and then even the coolest part to me is the 1616 Foundation and the effect that it'll have on kids and the things that they're learning through through Andrew and, and the foundation is um, it changes your life. So yeah, it was it was unreal and aligns with what we're doing here. Speak your mind and we had a great time with it. Please enjoy Andrew Ladd, but also go please enjoy the Speak Your Mind Instagram. You know, speak your underscore underscore mind. Lick and Kick Fridays is our newest series and licking an ice cream cone or getting kicked in the shin. A little uh, end of week reflection is always needed in your life. And also new two Tuesdays because I've been on an absolute <laughs> heater. Wow. I feel like the Chicago Bulls. I feel like the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I am on, I am on cloud nine right now. But anyways, I know that Riles got a couple up his sleeve, and he'll probably take me off uh, off my high horse here shortly. So, uh, as always, we love you. Speak your mind, and we will see you next time. And enjoy Andrew Ladd. All right, we got Andrew Ladd on the show, but I'm going to start off by asking Ty how he's feeling right now. We just had a little bit of banter about. Ty's uh, last couple of days and uh, Ty, how are we doing over there? Well, I, uh, you guys have been through it, but I'm now at the age where everybody in my life decides that getting married is the greatest option in the world. And uh, obviously with that comes bachelor parties and wow, there was a bachelor party <laughs> that, uh, that got out of hand, but uh, we talked a little bit about breathing before. And I think uh, there's going to be a lot of valuable breathing in my life in the next little bit. And a lot of, <laughs> A lot of green tea on the uh, on the esophagus, and um, and hopefully, yeah, you know, it's it's all a mindset, right? Yeah, you might need to you might need to toss a cold tub in there too. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of things that I can implement into my life right now that I just need to, and it doesn't help that it's raging hot in Calgary mm. right now. So as soon as I step outside, I instantly just start sweating. So no better time to start now, though, Ty. Right? You know, you got to get it all back together. No better better time than now, but. So we got Andrew Ladd on the, on the pod. Super pumped to have you, Ladder. Uh, what's been going on lately? Where are you at? Oh, so we are uh, we we're in Arizona, and we just made the trek back to we're in the Okanagan now. So uh, we're back here for for the summer. Um, we got the kids out. Kids kids are all getting in a routine. They're they're done school like May twenty fourth. So it's been like a constant, how do we, uh, dad, we want to be entertained. So, uh, that's been a lot of my, a lot of my life, uh, a little bit lately. And then I've, I've been getting into some, doing some executive coaching training to, to up my skills there. And, and then just working on our, our foundations, uh, 1616, uh, which is a program that I'm sure we'll get into at some point here. Yeah. yeah. I think we're, uh, we're both definitely looking forward to 1616. I'm going to be in the Okanagan at the uh, end of July, but don't worry. I won't come knocking on your door at 2 a.m. Um, are you, are you like Kelowna, like uh, Vernon? So we are, we are uh, in the midst of building and hosting Kelowna. So we're actually, we're in Lake country right now. Um, oh, so Lake is perfect. Yeah. So finding a place uh, to rent for the entire summer in the Okanagan is is, is a challenge in itself. So we were able to, to find something. So now we're, or at least we know where we're going to be for the next three months. And you got to be a big wake surfer, I hope. I am. Yeah. So, um, I actually went yesterday for the first time in two years. So I was, I was pumped back out in the lake. Uh, and then I got three young kids. So it's now I get to try to teach them how to, 
how to figure that out, which will be will be a lot of fun too. Are you a big you're a big fisherman too, right? Because you do you still or you did do a charity mm-hmm. or a, an event, didn't you, around fishing? Yeah, you know what's funny? It's it's like uh it's like a myth that I'm I'm a big fisherman a little bit. It's like, <laughs> I I had a I had a buddy who who uh, his name's Kevin Estrada. He played I played with him my first year pro in Lowell, uh, Massachusetts. And he in the summers he his gig was he was a sturgeon fishing guide uh, on the Fraser River about an hour hour and a half outside of Vancouver. So he got me into sturgeon fishing, and and by getting me into sturgeon fishing, literally was just me going fishing with him once or twice a summer, uh, hit him putting me on some really big fish, and then me uh, reeling them in. So uh, <laughs> because of that, we created a, a charity uh, event that uh, we ran for um, two or three years, and ever since then, everybody that I've come across is, thinks I'm like this master <laughs> angler that knows everything about fishing. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know how to push it, put a put a hook on a line. So I got yeah. everybody uh, fooled there. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, I mean, being the hockey fan I am, obviously, I think we start with the world junior team. Um I, I think it's almost a must. I, I know that all my buddies are going to love hearing this because if not the greatest team ever assembled, um, I just want to like, even just ask like going into that and like knowing how much hype is around you guys, like at a young age, it's like the world juniors is already a big thing, but like, then you chuck on all the pressure and knowing that you got Crosby gets Perry, all these guys coming in. I mean, you guys are obviously aware of each other, but once you, when you're getting into that setting, like how do you even begin to process like how much pressure is actually on you guys? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, I'll even back it up before that because like a year before even that tournament, I was like a walk on with the Calgary Hitmen. So me like having watched, you know, I, I just made the team in Calgary, Calgary Hitmen out of camp and watching pretty much that same group the year before go through, you know, that moment in the gold medal game where Fleury tries to shoot it out. It goes off, oh, he went off of it back in his own net, the own goal. Uh, and they lose that the heartbreaker. And really right from that moment, you're like, you know, there was some pressure around that group because you knew the majority of those guys were coming back the next year. So the pressure started right then, you know, the following summer uh, we had like the, the orientation camp with all the world junior stuff. So, and right from there, you could tell there was like a massive amount of competition um, internally driven by those top guys, you know, the Gitzlaffs, the Jeff Carters, the Dion Phaneufs, the Brent Seabrooks, the Shea Webers, Sid, um, Bergeron. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if Bergy was there um, for the summer because he had played the year before with, uh, with the Bruins. So um, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that he'd be on the team, but even in that camp, there was like such a high rate of intensity that you knew like, Hey, I just need to be a part of this team. Like, I just want to be, a, I just, as long as I make this team work, <laughs> chances are we're going to win gold. Um, so it's like the, <laughs> like the dream team, American basketball team, MJ yeah. and all those guys. Exactly. So uh, I think there was more internal pressure from guys trying to get into that group because you, you knew you were going to be part of something special. Uh, and then, then that leaned, leaned into like, okay, when we had the the camp at Christmas and I probably lucked out a little bit, like Brent Sutter was our coach and I, I felt like I had a shitty camp. Um, so you're going through the whole, like, you know, like, am I going to make it? You know, I didn't perform well during this time. 
And luckily I had a, a coach there that had seen me, you know, 12 times a year, the year before. So he knew what I brought to the table. Uh, he knew, you know, I played with Ryan Getzlaff uh, a lot, you know, the year before and up to, leading up to that point. So he knew kind of how our chemistry was and, and what I brought to the table. And But to get the call and be like, hey, you're on that team was like, you know, to me, when I grew up, I actually didn't, I wasn't thinking like, hey, I want to play in the NHL. When I was growing up, I, I was like, hey, I would love to play on that world junior team and win a gold medal. That was it. So to get that moment of like, hey, you made this team was just such an awesome moment. It was kind of the, the first big accomplishment for me in my hockey career up until that point. I had, it was very rocky. I'd been cut multiple times by the Vancouver Giants. I played, you know, junior B, junior A, and I was slowly working my way up. So it almost felt there was like a disbelief that I was even there. And then I was in awe of like everybody that was on the ice, just watching them practice the level that they competed at. And then the skill level, that was, that was a beginning of me being like, okay, like there's a whole nother level that I need to get to and being surrounded by, you know, now you can say greatness, but at that time you just, you're just like trying to keep up. Right. But to look back and see the amount of talent and, I would say character too, man. There was just like a lot of character people on that team and to be, to have that from your peers at such a young age was so impactful for me as I, I moved into pro. Yeah. Well, geez, like you look at how many of those guys ended up coming to be captains or assistant captains in the league. It's pretty incredible. And like, not just like, like some of the best players to ever play. So um, that's unreal. So going back before world juniors, then like, that time you're saying like getting cut and like playing junior B, like what's, what was your mindset like then to stick with hockey and like to like, is it always something you knew you wanted to do is keep developing and keep making onto that next level? Like, was it ever tough for you to like slug it out and, and keep moving forward when some things weren't going your way? Yeah. And I actually like my first year, first year Bantam was it? I think it was first year Bantam. I would, I got cut. I broke my leg, the, the, that like spring hockey. And then I got cut from the AAA team that year. And that for me was like the first time that I was like, I really struggled with like, like you know, there's like shame and embarrassment of like, Oh, like I've been, I've been playing with a group of players and my, my brother was a year older than me. So I got to play with him every other year and he was going to be on that team. So that, when I look back, that was a key moment for me because they're there, you know, you have all those emotions related to not making it getting cut and those are those can be moments that define you so i specifically remember you know my parents sitting me down and being like hey like you still get to play hockey you still get to do what you love and you get to kind of choose how you want to show up for your teammates and, and this new team that you're going to be on this year and i look back and that was the best thing best thing for me i played a crap ton that year i was one of the better players on the team I gained confidence that I, I rolled over into the next year um so in saying that like that experience of how do I handle adversity in that at that time lent itself to how I showed up when I got cut by the Vancouver Giants when I was 16 and I had to go back and play junior B. It, it wasn't like, you know, I didn't, wasn't embarrassment and shame, you know, obviously there's a little bit of that, but like, it was like, okay, like how do I make the best out of playing junior B as a 16 year old? And then I, you know, I, I got, went and tried out again next year and got cut again. And I was like, all right, shit. You know, then a little bit of doubt starts to creep in, but it was still like, okay, I was still like, okay, like, how do I, how do I make the best out of playing junior A? Um, what do I get to do here? And, and you guys, I mean, you guys both know, like 
once you start to become you're a part of any team like it's you're just having fun playing hockey and, and being a part of that and and you know the blessing in disguise was playing more at a lower level and having more opportunity having more ice time that was way more beneficial for me than playing as a 16 year old or 17 year old in the, in the dub and only playing eight to ten minutes a night and trying to grind for minutes i don't know yeah. what that would have done for my for my confidence so by the time I got to Calgary when I was 18 and trying out, I was just like, I got nothing to lose. I'm just going to go out and, and keep playing the way I've been playing the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, kind of the rest was history from there. No, that's perfect because I think like it, it ties really much a lot into like reflection. And I think, I mean, you could probably relate to, you've done a lot of reflection in these past couple of years, especially with the foundation now and especially just with like mindset work and energy and everything. And I think as, you know, not just as athletes, but I think as humans, we're so, we don't want to take the time to reflect, especially on the harder moments. So, I mean, like looking back now, like, have you had so many more instances of reflection, like even going back to your junior days now with you sharing your story and like wanting to help youth athletes more and more, just because, I mean, you went from world juniors to, you know, and then you're winning Stanley Cups. And I think there was probably no time to actually just reflect like when you're constantly going, going, going. So now like, has there been so many more instances of, all right, like, let's like, let, let's dive into this, even though I'm not going to remember all the details. Like I want to dive into like how that affected my energy and my confidence and like, just like my overall like well being. Yeah, for sure. 100%. I think like with that reflection, there's an understanding of how I, you know, I was shaped as a human being. And there, there's good and bad in that, right? You look, you look at certain things and you're like, okay, yeah, I, li- I like that about myself or I like who that makes me um, today. And then there's other stuff that's like maybe not so fun to look at. And you're like, okay, yeah, like I would have changed that. And, and um, maybe wouldn't have gone, gone about it the same way, but, but that's, that's all a part of being human. Like being human is messy. And, and one of the benefits of getting older is you get to kind of look at that mess, sort it out and then decide, okay, like I want to keep this or I want to chuck this away and then who do I want to be? So it's definitely had a massive impact on, on me now that I reflect um, just, you know, the, the, the parts that I want to take and then the parts, you know, the places I want to grow going forward. And the idea that, that, that game never ends. You're constantly trying to uh, tinker and evaluate and grow in, in different aspects of your life. And as you get older, you know, those things shift in terms of what's important to you. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great way to put it. I told you kind of some of our questions last night that I'd hit you with yeah. and I'm, I'm going to hit you with d- three words to describe your career. I think it's a good way to maybe break down some different moments and uh, three words kind of gives you the opportunity to sort of like hit us with the positive moments and the negatives too, and kind of mix it all in there. So what are your three words? Oh um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first, the first one I wrote down was when I, I was just thinking about this, but like was, was gratitude. Um, grateful for like the positions that I, and experiences that I was put in. Um, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to, when I came into the league, be put in a very great position of playing with so many veteran players like Rod Brendamore and Ray Whitney, Glenn Wesley, Brett Hedekin, um, Kevin Adams, the list kind of just goes on and on. Mark Recchi, Doug Waite, um, Matt Cullen was there. So like, I, like that experience of, of seeing how those people operated and then throughout the, like th- just throughout your, my career, the relationships, you guys understand that, like the relationships 
people you meet, the communities that you get embedded in, like that's what you remember. At least that's what I what I remember. Uh, you know, when I look back on my career um, and even winning like Stanley Cups, you you don't. It's the moments along the way that you really pull out and connect to of like you know the moments of adversity. So I think like grateful for just all those different moments is, was really the, the first thing that comes to mind. Second word would be like roller coaster. <laughs> it's a roller coaster, man. Like there's, there's so many moments of like um, exhilaration and, and there's a lot of downs. And, and um, so I, I think navigating that roller coaster, you know, when you're younger, it's, it's, it's so much more highs and lows and you learn how to understand them and, and maybe ride with them a little more instead of, you know, trying to pull yourself way up and then way down. And, and, and um, if that makes sense, emotionally, that becomes draining on you. So as, as, as I've, you know, look back, it's like, Oh, like that was, it was the different moments of like, Hey, you know, getting traded from Carolina the first time. And you're like, Hey, like, you know, you thought you'd be there forever. And then all of a sudden the next day, you know, it's trade deadline and you're on a plane to Chicago, you know, without any thought, like those are the moments like roller coaster moments that, you, until you're in it, you don't really realize how you have to try to, to navigate them. Yeah. Okay. You got one more. Yeah, you got one, one more. more. And then I, oh. and then I, and then I got a one word question too. Um, the, the last one I had, I think just resilience. I think like throughout my career, I was resilient with everything that was kind of thrown at me. And, and maybe even early on in my life that it was a lot of like, I always said when I was growing up, just, if you want Andrew to do something, just tell me, can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I kind of had that mindset all the way up until the end of my career when I was like, you know, not wanted anymore and had a bunch of injuries and, and everybody was questioning whether I could even play in the NHL or all those different things. So I think resilience is, is a word that, you know, I'm fond of. And I, I think I, I, partly because I'm pretty good at that is probably why I remember those things. Um, but, uh, I'm kind of a, a stubborn prick when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I uh, I grew up in Leduc, so obviously you know, '06 was probably the most oh. heartbreak heartbreaking year of any Edmontonian yeah. or yeah, yeah. But I gotta say, you know, like you coming into that team, actually, I have family friends who are related to Glenn Wesley, so like we got you know a sign stick from Glenn Wesley, and and you got Rod the Bod, and like, but what is one word to describe that series? Because like. I still watch the hype video from that series back in 06 and it, I just want to run through a wall and I couldn't imagine like actually like being in raw and like, you know, Carolina and also Rexall cause Rexall was just an absolute shit show. Like I, like what mm-hmm. is one word to describe that series, especially like that's your first year, first playoff experience. One, one word to describe that. <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mayhem might be the worst. I don't know. It was like it's a good one. Pandemonium. Being, pandemonium. Like being up three one. You know, just like a, through, the whole series was crazy. And like the, the first game, and then I ran and I got I got tripped into uh, Rollison. He got hurt. The goalie car- the carousel for for Edmonton. It wasn't my fault, man. I got tripped. Hey, no, I, 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 all I'm going to say is God Don't bless me like that. God bless Mark Andre Bergeron, but we all know it was, it was Mark's fault. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then like, man, like the nerves coming back for, for game seven, it was just, a, it was a, like at the, at the time I didn't appreciate what I was in 
and now I look back and I'm like, holy shit, that was like, there's some <laughs> amazing moments within that, that I was like, maybe I should have been a lot more nervous than I was. Uh, but, uh, you know, losing game six in Edmonton, having Eric Cole came back from a broken neck in th- that game we lost. And then like Rod Brindamore's speech after that game, just to kind of put everything in perspective for the whole group, um, going back home, it was something I'll, I'll never forget. And, uh, yeah, mayhem, man. And then it's, it's, it's just being able to, to experience that and share that with everybody who was there with you along the way. I think that's the coolest part about winning the Stanley Cup is like you get to share that moment with everybody else because we all know we didn't get where we were by ourselves. Like it takes a team and a community to help people get where where they uh, do, and and to be able to share with that at the end with them was was um, was the coolest part. So when did Carolina come into the league? Do you remember, do you remember what year? Or I tied, I don't know. Like that had to have been the first taste of like previous to that where they playoff bound like did they have so they, the year before, didn't they lose? So they went to the finals and I think it was 03 or 02 okay. against the Red against the Red Wings. They lost the right. finals to the Red Wings. Like the you know, the Red Wings were stacked and so the market had had a had a taste of of uh you know, obviously getting there and, and so it, it was an interesting market because it was like, you know, obviously huge college basketball, college football. Um, mm-hmm. And then when those two, like when college basketball finished, like it was like hurricanes um, yeah. and they've done such a, such a good job. Uh, you know, obviously they've been good for a long, long amount of time there and, and they've built, you know, from youth hockey all the way up, they have a great following now. So uh, it yeah. was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun place to play, but I still remember like walking, after winning the cup, like they have the, their main street in Carolina there with all the restaurants. And I was, I took it from um, a place called Sullivan's and I was walking it up the cup, uh, up the street to another bar. And uh, like, there was no, like no one even, I was just like walking down the street with a cup and I'm like, no one is even like losing <laughs> shit. Like I'm like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like it, it was so funny, just like weird, weird moment for me, just being able to scroll down the street with a cup and, and yeah. uh, to, to a different bar, much different than <laughs> Chicago when we, when we won in, uh, in 2010. Yeah. You're, you're like yelling at people like, Hey, this is, <laughs> this is the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Look at me, man. Just look at Come me. Come check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go to the this the second word you pick, roller coaster. I think roller coaster is a good word for a good topic for us to discuss. I mean, being like a podcast where we want to like humanize people, right? And and kind of show that athletes aren't just robots. I kind of want to talk about maybe in one of those moments where you were kind of going through that roller coaster like in a down period where you like really had to like step back and kind of acknowledge your emotional well-being and maybe like a specific moment where you were like okay like i shouldn't just keep going putting my head down and go like maybe i have to like talk to somebody or whether it's your wife or or coach or whoever it may be but like is there any was there any moment in your career where it really stuck out to you like you're starting to sort of get into a bad place and you needed to figure it out Yeah. So for me, that came when I was in New York with the Islanders. I had, I mean, my whole experience there from a hockey perspective, like I didn't play as well as I wanted to. I didn't, I didn't produce the way I wanted to, you know, I had, I had three, three young children. So when we, when I, when I signed there as a free agent, I had a three-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn. And it was just like, 
it, it was tough right from the get-go because you're trying to like embed yourself in a new team and and, and your your family's trying to find a place uh, and get settled and your you know your your wife's at home with with three kids uh, three and under so like there there was that stress that you take home take the rink um, trying to navigate all that and then fast forward to I had me having essentially when when Lou took over as GM and Barry took over as, as a coach that year. I had, I had two knee surgeries, basically my right knee, major knee surgery left. Uh, I came back, played 10 games, blew my left knee out. So, and, and, you know, something that I've learned was like, you know, I was great throughout my whole life of like internalizing, internalizing and to put my head down and work same thing over and over again. And that, that was my, that was my gift. Like, I'm not complaining about that. Like, that's what I was good at, but I didn't know any other way. So I was in that system repeatedly. And then, you know, all of a sudden you, you come back for camp after having two major knee surgeries, try to get in the lineup. I got sent down to minors. And, and that was really like the big, like the first time I was like, Oh, like, sh-, like there was such anxiety and like tension in me. Like, I don't know what to do. And I didn't know what to, I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know. Uh, how to deal with it. I didn't know a way forward. I was just like, you know, I'm sure from the outside, people were like, oh, this guy's just grumpy and, and quiet. And my wife was actually the first person that was like, Hey, like you need to talk to someone, you don't talk to me. You need to talk to someone. Cause you're not yourself. Like when you come home, you're not yourself. It doesn't even feel like you're here. Um, and I wasn't, I was just in my own head, like going through every possible scenario of like, how do I get out of this? Like, and then there's shame. There's like, you know, my identity is a hockey player. So if I'm not, if I'm not playing NHL, like what does that say about me? And then you start to, to doubt yourself from that standpoint. So all those different things are coming to play. And I, you know, like I said, most people from the outside would have just been like, oh, he's just a quiet guy that, you know, might be a little grumpy today. Um, so uh, luckily at that, that moment, I was, uh, Thomas Hickey and I were both traveling from Long Island to Bridgeport pretty much daily. Like we would drive back and forth. It was like a two hour drive, hour and a half, two hours for practice. So we drive back and forth and, and, and he was working with, you know, Dan left Larry, you, you guys, I think you guys have had on your podcast to work with you. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was working with Dan. He was like, Hey, like, I, I think I asked him like, Hey, do you work with anybody? And he's like, yeah, actually I, I work with a guy. Um, do you want to talk to him? And uh, that was the best thing that I've ever done. It was uh, super impactful. It has been the, one of the biggest impacts of my life going forward and what has happened since that moment. And it was, it was just like a flood of relief having that conversation with them. And it was like, Oh, like I, I have someone who can show me a way forward, show me a different way, show me how to be like kind to myself in moments and not just beat the shit out of myself repeatedly trying to get more results or more results. Um, and that was really the, my first realization that, Hey, like there are different ways to approach the situation. Yeah. There's things that like that I'm good at my ability to be resilient, but there's different ways that can look for everybody. And there's different ways that I can, really problem solve how to, to move forward in the best possible way, not only for me, but everyone around me. How do I want to, how do I want to impact not only myself, but like the people that I'm seeing on a daily basis and you know, my, my family at home and the people that I care about, all that stuff is so interconnected. Uh, and, and, you know, I look back at my career now and, and there's so many times where I was just like one track mind. How can I be the best constantly? And, and there was a cost to that. And that was just me not paying attention to, to those signs. And, and part of it was just like me, not obviously not having a way, uh, understanding a way forward as well. I, uh, I definitely want to like come back to 
that conversation with your wife and like the perspective shift that took place like in that very moment. But I also want to touch on like I've never really asked like we've we've been able to have quite a few guys on that have you know played a long time in the league, never won a cup or anything. But for you, like I mean, it was World Juniors, like that was peak, and then it was Carolina, and then that was like the peak, and then like you know like captain in Winnipeg, and like and then obviously towards the latter half of your career, you know things definitely things definitely started to you know take place where you needed to shift your perspective a little bit. Like looking back now would you have your career any other way, especially like looking back at the lessons you were able to learn and like the peaks and valleys that took place, like from the start to the end? Like, I, I know that's kind of a, you know, probably a, an odd question, but I'm just genuinely curious, like, would you have what you had any other way? No, because I think it's shaped who I am today. And I, I mean, I think as you get older, you understand. And it's funny because I'm trying, we're trying to teach kids this Mm -hmm. part of our program is teaching kids. This is like those moments are there in your life to teach you. And I had some blind spots that I was unaware of and needed those moments and that struggle to figure out a different way and figure out the way that I wanted to, to move forward. So I think that's obviously easier to say in, in, um, and for the fact, but like, I wouldn't change any of that because that's shaped who I am today. That's shaped how I am as a father, how I am as a husband, how I am as a son, um, and a friend. And to me, you know, that's just part of life. Part of life is like figuring that shit out. And you need the idea that no one has those moments is, is just not true. Like everybody has those moments. And I think part of normalizing the conversation is, is, is just that like, Hey, like we're human. We, we screw up make mistakes that's great you know what i mean like then we get to learn from those mistakes and decide who we want to be moving forward from that you know now if we're, we're making the same mistakes over and over again and we're not interested in, in growing and, and learning then that's a different story but you know the idea that you would change that just to not have to deal with pain doesn't resonate with me yeah no that makes complete sense and yeah no i appreciate that i'm just like i don't know why that question came to mind i'm just genuinely curious and then also like you mentioned the conversation that you had with your wife and i mean there's so many people in life that i think have that conversation that just like takes them right back and it just like rocks your world and i had a similar one as well but have you been able to like now track back and like now have a new conversation with your wife and understand where she was in that place. Because I think that's like a, a hard thing for us to realize is like how much pain we're actually causing our people and our loved ones, because like how much we're bottling it up. And I'm just, obviously I'd imagine that it strengthened your relationship a ton, but I'm just curious, like looking back how she felt in that moment and how, how hard it must've been for her to actually say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's probably a few things there. One was like, I think she was worried about me. So she, there's a lot of empathy in her. And the other part is I like, it is like, what is actual like love and when someone cares about you, and you know, for, especially for guys in general, like this is a great topic because it's like, what does that look like? It doesn't mean to, to keep going along with your bullshit and, and, you know, be a part of, of the game that you're playing. It's like, Hey, how do I, her showing up for me and, and caring about me and loving me was like disrupting me in that moment and being like, Hey, like, I love you. You're not yourself. Get your shit together. And that was, that was powerful for me coming from her. Cause like, I, I know where, where that was coming from. That was coming from uh, a place of love and a place of like, you no, know, like I care about you and I want you around and I want you to, I know 
who you can be. And I want you to, to be that person. So having her show up for me that way definitely strengthened our relationship. And then obviously it was just like me starting to be aware of the impact that I was having. And I think I did actually, like, that was a weird thing is like, I knew I, I wasn't, I didn't want to be the way I was and I didn't want to be edgy and I didn't want to be come home and like not pay attention to my kids the way I wanted to. So like, I knew what I, I had the vision in my head of like what I wanted to be. I just didn't know how to get there. And she was kind of the, the ignition, um, to, for, you know, pushing me towards like, Hey, start somewhere. You know what I mean? Like you got to start somewhere you're not going to figure out where, if it's a, if it's a good decision or, you know, a good way forward, unless you start trying. So you got to pick a path. Hey, that's not working. Okay. Let's try something different. And that was, that was a realization for me in that moment was like, you know, doing nothing is, is the worst thing you can do. Yeah. It's so true. Like it, like, and it's hard to map out like your, your journey, like you, like you said, like to start somewhere, it is hard. Like, and I, I hope, and even just us having this conversation, like it, I think it can help people just, just get that ball rolling. Cause it is like, I think a lot of people, like they want to make good choices and they want to, they want to be like a healthy partner and they want to be a, like a valued member of a team. And, but it is hard to like, to change your habits and, and things like that. And I mean, I think that aligns a lot with what you're doing, right. With 1616 foundation is like, I mean, just like a low ball, like a low level explanation, but just kind of instilling that in kids at a young, young age would be, would be so valuable. So maybe you can, it's a good segue into sixteen sixteen. You can kind of just give us a little bit of a breakdown on, on kind of what it is and, and how it sparked, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and through my experience, there was a realization that there was a lot of skills that I didn't have and, and with that and it was kind of a weird weird moment in time because i that year i was playing with the york islanders they didn't want me in the nhl club uh it was the it was the COVID year so they had taxi squads and then they had guys in the minors so i was they didn't want me in the minors because they wanted the kids to play i couldn't be on the taxi squad because of how much money i was making they couldn't emergency recall me and then they didn't want me in the nhl so i skated by myself for a year Literally, I would, I would, I would text Lou, you know, 10 o'clock at night, be like, Hey Lou, what time, what time can I skate tomorrow? He said, you know, you can come in at two. All right, cool. So I get there, like no one would be there. You know, I think Dennis Seidenberg would come skate with me every once in a while when he was available. And it, it, through that, I, w- I was with, I was talking to Dan, um, my uh, mental skills coach. And he was like, all right, man, like at the end of this year, like, what do you want? do you want to look back and be proud of what you did this whole year? Or do you want to just be like, no, I like went through the motions and stayed in shape like throughout the year. And that was it. And the answer was clear to me. It was like, yeah, like, no, like I want to do something impactful. Like what can I, how can we turn this into a really positive thing for, for me and for other people? And my wife and I had long been supporting mental health in different ways. Uh, and you know, Canadian mental health, um, different programs like that. And a lot of it was very reactive. And we'd always had the thought of like, Hey, like, this is all great stuff. You, you need that. But like, how can we get ahead of this issue? Like, how can we have a proactive approach to mental health? And after going through what I went through, uh, it was clear to me, like, no, like I, we need to get these skills that I learned at 35 when I hit a wall to kids at a younger, young enough age where, you, you know, 
they, at least when they, that adversity happens or those different things happen in their life, they have, they have a toolkit. They understand what's going on. They have an understanding of like the feelings that they're having and the emotions and that those aren't necessarily bad things. Like, so can we create a program that, that essentially does that for, you know, my idea is definitely sports in general, but like, I know hockey, my connections are in hockey. So that's where we're going to start. So it's a proactive approach to mental health for 10 to 12 year old hockey players. And we're using, you know, lived experiences from, you know, NHL players, Olympic women's athletes, people that have, have had a major impact on our game that we all know have a story. I don't know. It's, it's like, there's some humbleness in, in, in our sport where people don't like to brag about themselves. Um, don't like to feel like they overcome, you know, tough things. Like we like to put that off and be like, no, no, it was, it wasn't, wasn't a thing. Like, no, it's yeah. Like what you did was incredible. And how can we use those moments to teach kids that you went through some of the same self doubt that you went through, you know, feeling alone, that you went through a lot of these mental struggles that I think everybody, you know, as you get older, you start to understand that everybody goes through the same thing, but kids don't realize that as professional athletes, we go through the same stuff. So can we teach kids that, Hey, like that's normal and then give them skills to navigate those things. And that's essentially what 1616 is all about. Wow. Yeah, no, that, I mean, yeah, that's, that's incredible. And I think that's uh, that moment, especially in that year where you're just by yourself on the ice and, and you're wanting to bring something out of this. I think that's like that, that, that is exactly what the foundation is. And I've been fortunate to coach 11 and 12 year olds these past couple of years. And I think, uh, I mean, you, you will be able to relate to that, but I mean, it's, it's tough because like, it's, it's, it's a lot about confidence and self-esteem and, and reassurance and that validation. And I think um, like, I'm, I'm curious because I found with our coaching staff, like when we're creating a culture and we're creating like a, a community where these kids can just come and, and, you know, we can just shoot the shit with these kids and treat them as, you know, as hockey players, but also just like young people. And I think that's what created that where these kids were like, all right, like I, like I, what I, what I'm going through, I'm allowed to go through. And I'm curious as to if you're, you've kind of experienced and understood the same way about how kids operate nowadays and how much that those little bits of reassurance and those little, you know, like, my favorite part was asking kids like, what'd you have for dinner? Or like, you know, what's up? Like, what's new? Like, you know, like I think those little questions and those little conversation starters are helping build that foundation and that, that foundation of culture, which I think, I mean, you've been able to be a part of so many incredible cultures and about around so many incredible characters. So I guess my question is, are you seeing the same thing? Yeah. And, and I think, I don't think adults are any different. No. Like a, that's, <laughs> that never changes, right? Yeah. Um, we're just dumbing it down to a level that 10, 12 year olds understand. Um, and it's super simple at that age, right? Like our, our, our program focuses, focuses on like what we call the four C's. And it's like the competence of playing hockey, which we know everyone's getting already. They're, they're getting overloaded with that. So they don't need more of that. <laughs> but we, we, there's a part of our program that, that handles that. And then it's, it's uh, connection. So like, what, is it, what does it mean to be a part of a team feel like, you know, feel like you're supported by coaches, parents, and teammates. What does that look like? What are the struggles in that? Like, you know what I mean? Like helping kids understand that they're a part of something special. And I think that's, you know, at a young age, you just want to feel like you're a part of something. And that's a special part of sports, right? You don't want to be a 10 year, like at, at 10 years old, you don't want to feel like you're an outcast with your group 
and you need and kids need to understand that they're all part of that. So something as simple as like, hey, go sit beside someone that you don't normally sit beside. Ask them what they what they do away from the rink. Kids have such a massive impact on creating connections within your group. And it's it's interesting because it's a lot of stuff like once you like sit back and they're super simple topics and they're they make sense. You're like, yeah, okay, like that's they make a lot of sense. We lose track of of bringing those things up when we get into like the the routine of like go 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 as parents as coaches uh, and we forget about the kids like hey like live live in that moment and like are you thinking about like are all the kids do all the kids feel like they're a part of this because as you guys know like that that plays a big factor between your ears so connection is was the first c um confidence is the next one right everybody's everybody can relate to like hey when you're confident you're feeling good you're playing better all that stuff you feel pretty good about yourself so dumbing it down to like what is that for kids right and then you know like i would say most adults have a tough time understanding how to how to create confidence right most don't you're like oh well, like just tell yourself to be confident and it's like you're gonna go do it it's like no like there's like let's put a be a little more intentional with that and and um you know talk to kids like hey like you know to me confidence is like having courage to take risk and try new things and fail like that because even if you fail a couple of times, you keep trying like that moment of like success that you have as a person, just a human being, not even, not even a child, like that's where confidence grows. So how do we recreate those experiences and, and be intentional with that, with kids as coaches and parents and then character, right? You know, we talked like, I talked about that world junior team, like every one of those guys had a shit ton of, of, of skill and they all had character. I, I speak about their character because of the people they are and, that character is tied to performance, um, tied to performance and tied to how you feel about yourself day in, day out. And what does that like? What does integrity look like? What does it look like to be resilient? All those different things that, you know, the best part about sports is there's so many different moments within games, within practices, within your, your yearly routine with your group that you get to practice those things. And as a, you know, for the coaches and parents to have the ability to like, call those things out, you know, for good or whether the kids are doing good and help kids understand why those things are important. And that's, you know, essentially what we're trying to be as a resource for with 1616 is like a resource for parents and coaches to, you know, help bring that to the surface for the kids and help them understand the importance of that and, and really understand what that's all about. So what's like, uh, what's like the format, kind of the structure of 1616? And, and like you said, like you kind of touched on being a resource for parents and coaches too like how does that work like how does that back and forth work between them and then differentiate differentiate between like your relationship with the kids yeah so we 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 were essentially tried to make 16 16 like a it's it's all it's completely digital and consider it like a, like a little bit of a drip so like little pieces of info throughout the course of the the season and we're shifting things around a, a little bit in terms of length of of program but you know next year will be like 10 weeks so like little drips over 10 weeks to reinforce a lot of these concepts. So for the kids, they get, they get a video on a Sunday. It's like a five, six minute video of an athlete um, teaching them a concept. So they get to, they get to watch like a cool up-tempo YouTube style, style video where they get to be engaged in a cool story. And at the end of that video, we, we get them to reflect on if they understood the story and if how it relates to them in their life, like how that concept relates to them in, in, in their life. And then we, we have a, 
iPhone style video come out uh, mid midweek that challenges them to try what we call our live it out. So challenges them to try something new in their life that relates to that concept. So we'll have, you know, Jordan Everly can go like pops up on the phone says, Hey, this is what I do in my life. I'm going to, you know, I want you guys to try this out in your life. So we're actually getting them to, to tangibly try to take that into action into their life. And then the parents, uh, they get parents and coaches get the same video. And then for the parents, it's like, Hey, here's why this is important. And here's different ways to support and what we're teaching your kid. Uh, so they have an understanding of why we're doing what we're doing. And then we have things like, you know, car ride home tip, uh, which That's we all awesome. know is, yeah, um, can be, uh, can be used for good and for evil. Um, so <laughs> conversation starters. So, you know, one of the cool things that we've seen in the program is just like, we're creating conversations that people and families aren't just having because they don't come naturally. Right. So the program kind of brings that stuff to the circle and people having some great conversations with their, with their kids uh, and then catch your kids. So we want you to like catch them doing the behavior um, that we're trying to promote this week in that concept. So that's the parent piece. And then the coach is, gets the video and then same thing. Like it's the why, why this is important for your athletes and midweek there's a reflection. So are you thinking about this with your kids? So, you know, specific example would be like, Hey, like, are you thinking about the kids that are struggling? You know, it's easy to coach the really skilled kids. Are you, are you thinking about the kid that maybe is struggling to keep up and maybe spend a little extra time with him to help him bring him up to that, the other level. So different, different things like that, again, all related to um, connection, confidence and, and character. And, uh, and then we also, uh, we, we did work with uh, Adam Oates worked with me to do a bunch of different skill videos that we've made available to uh, all the coaches. So they can start to implement some of the things that he does really well in teaching um, some of the best players in the world uh, into, into youth hockey, just to have them think about those different concepts. Dang, a lot awesome. going on. A lot going on, man. Yeah. Oh, preach ladder. Like, that that I feel is like I'm just like <laughs> verbal diarying on you guys. So no, man, I am fully on board. Like, like I don't. Yeah, I'm fully on board. Like this is. Uh, I I couldn't agree more. Especially with like even that last point you hit on with like coaching and like it's so easy to focus on like the your stars or your 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 kids that are you know can make or break a game. But like you know take some time and be intentional with the kids that, you know, maybe aren't scoring the goals and maybe aren't getting all the attention. And I think that's so important. So um, yeah, kudos to you for being able to recognize those little things. And I think that is so important, especially like I, my next question is related to, you know, what's next, but I, I, I want to, I definitely think 11 and 12 year olds is like, you know, I mean, you have it down to a science, but I think it's like the perfect age group, but I'm definitely curious as to like, like, what are you, you're continuing to expand and you got OT coming in now. Like what else are you hoping to get out of it? And I know how rewarding this must be for you, but like, what else are you kind of like continuing to hope for? Uh, yeah. I mean, for us, it's capacity, right? So we had 88 teams our, last year was our first, and we would call our beta season. So we had 88 teams across North America from Raleigh, North Carolina to San Diego from, you know, the East coast of Canada to, to Vancouver. I think we had a team in. Yeah. New Brunswick, maybe, um, all the way through to, to Vancouver. So for us now, we're going to be very intentional with the communities that want this. We're going to go where people that want this and, and we can engage and build build communities within, you know, kind of build hubs, 16, 16 hubs and start to really build a community around that. Our focus is going to be 10 to 12 
and perfecting that. Like we want to crush the 10 to 12 year old market and do it really well, create a great experience for everyone involved. Uh, we have a, a vigorous like monitoring and evaluation process where we've already taken feedback and we're going to implement that and try to, we want this to be something that's engaging for people, not homework. That's been my goal the whole time. Like we, as, mm-hmm. as parents, as coaches, we have enough on our plate. Like I get it. I have three kids. So how do we make this like a, a resource that helps coaches and parents, not something extra that they have to do. And part of that is making it engaging and fun for the kids. And and we're going to try to find different ways. Like we're part, you know, now that we have, you know, our impact reports coming out next week and it's all great stuff that said, Hey, like this does what we said it was going to do. And it's, it's been great. And there's nothing else like it. So It'll be like, okay, who can we partner with um, on a corporate standpoint? We're talking to a bunch of NHL teams that are, are excited about what we're doing. We already have, you know, we've got some funding from, from different clubs like, you know, the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets and uh, Washington Capitals. So starting to go where those teams have expressed interest as well and start to build communities in Manitoba and Alberta and, and Washington. So all fun stuff. It's like, it's like, we, we got to start up. So I'm, I'm learning as we go and we got a great team of, of, uh, uh, you know, between our executive director and my wife and, you know, we got a bunch of researchers, we got mental health specialists, we got, a um, our creative team in Chicago. Um, so we, we got people everywhere that are super pumped with just having a, a, a profound impact on kids. And it's, it's been a lot of fun for me. That's amazing. That's like, it's yeah it's it's unbelievable and i think about like growing up i mean i had a great upbringing playing hockey but just to be able to like have these tools in your back pocket can change so many and and, like change relationships between parents and their kid and and coaches and their kid and you know sometimes parents and coaches i feel like it's all they know is to to be a certain way and they think they're doing the right things but it might not help every kid on their team so i I think that's uh, it's it's so cool. Do you have one, like one of like moment or story that's kind of goes off in your head about being extra rewarding? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's been a few. I think there's there was you know a kid. Connor Carrick has an episode in, in our our program that he goes through actually some breathing stuff. Um, so maybe I'll send it to you, Ty, after this. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> much needed but yeah so i had I, I had a dad in arizona his his kids were in the program and he said hey like my my i just wanted to let you know like my my kids hasn't been able to sleep he said night terrors for the longest time and that episode with connor has been so helpful like he, he's following along with the breathing stuff he is um connected with with connor's story and now he's like sleeping through you know his sleep is so much better. And like, uh-huh. so hearing a story like that, we had like, we did a bunch of our, our monitoring and evaluation team did some small group stuff with parents and they had parents in tears as they're going, going through um, the interview process because of the impact it's had on their kids. So I, I think those are the moments that you're like, okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long, it's been a long journey. We've had, we've just taken us three years uh, almost to, to get to this point. And there's times along the way where we're like, holy shit, am I, are we doing the right thing here? Is this the right thing? Uh, and it's moments like those that you're like, yeah, this is where we're supposed to be. And this is uh, having that type of impact on, on people's lives is, is why we're doing what we're doing. So, um, right. yeah, those that's are awesome. stand out. Oh, that's literally, I mean, I was arguably not a better feeling in the world. Like knowing that, you know, especially with that kid and like sleeping, like, like just hearing that 
gives you so much validation that, okay, we are doing something good and there is an impact being made. And I think that is like hearing that and like knowing that you're, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know exactly how that feels and it's just, it's the best. So I'm glad that, you know, you're getting that, that feedback and you're getting those tangibles and you're, um, yeah, I mean, you deserve it. You've created something that is very unique and you said it perfectly when you said, we're not trying to create homework because, you know, we want it to be engaging. We want it to be, you know, fun, inviting. So, um, I mean, I don't know if you have anything else left, Riles, but I'm, uh, I'm all set. Cause that was, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm on the sixteen sixteen train right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was, it was un, unreal hearing more. And, um, I actually got a message from, I, I don't even know if I've told you this, but I got a message from a dad that does the sixteen sixteen like he's part of it and his daughter yep. does it and he sent me a video of you and the daughter and she, like her something that stuck out to her about the program was the cookies and cream thing that like the video that I had sent to you and cookies yep. and cream was the the analogy that I learned from Dan where you wipe off the cookies and cream from your face when you're kind of taking in bad brain food I guess you could call it and and trying to move on and seeing the positive out of your situation so he sent me that and just said like like, thank you for that. And it's helped my daughter a lot. And I mean, I just responded saying, well, it takes like a special parent to engage in this too, like to, to really like have their child try to learn these, these topics that are so helpful to them. And we just kind of had a short little conversation and it was, it was awesome. And it made me feel good. And so, I mean, you're doing an unbelievable thing and uh, we appreciate you coming on uh, speak your mind. Yeah, thanks, man. And thank you for the help with 1616, too. And I should I should mention, like, one of the coolest parts about this whole process has been the engagement from guys and girls within the hockey community. Like, everyone has been super helpful with their own stories. And it's funny, like, you tell them, like, hey, this is for 10 to 12-year-old kids. And they're like, yeah, like, what can I do? So there's been a lot of time and effort on a bunch of different athletes uh, that have supported what we're up to. And, and it's a, it's a pretty cool community that we, we have and uh, I'm looking forward to, to maximizing that to, to help kids. So thanks for, for having me on guys. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. I've, I've listened to a bunch of your stuff and um, you guys are doing some, some great work and i um, just happy to, to be able to jump on here finally with you guys. We will see you at Predator Ridge. Thank you very much, Ladder. And uh, yeah. yeah, no, honestly, thank you again. Yeah, no, my, my pleasure, man. And don't forget my invite when you go there. This episode is also brought to you by BioSteel. Zero sugar, essential electrolytes, great taste, and pure hydration. Join the likes of Connor McDavid, Alec Manoa, Andrew Wiggins, Brooke Henderson, and Patrick Mahomes on the BioSteel train. It's time for you to try BioSteel with our SYM25 discount code that will get you 25% off at checkout. Yep, that's right. I will gladly attest to this being the best hydration drink on the market. SYM25 at checkout.